0: Today's scripture comes from Joshua, the first chapter, verses one through five. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, My servant Moses is dead. Now I proceed, now proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea in the west shall be your territory. NO ONE SHALL BE ABLE TO STAND AGAINST YOU ALL THE DAYS OF YOUR LIFE. AS I WAS WITH MOSES, I WILL BE WITH YOU. I WILL NOT FAIL YOU OR FORSAKE YOU. THIS IS THE WORD OF GOD FOR THE PEOPLE OF GOD. THANKS BE TO GOD.
1: WELL, HELLO, FAITH. It is good to see you all. Good to see those of you that are on the live stream this morning. Thank you for the week of vacation. That was a great gift uh, last Sunday. So I got to teach the Compromands this morning. It was awesome. And we decided that meeting outside is really not that bad on a day like today. It was gorgeous. And uh, we were talking about the creation narratives. Perhaps you've Heard of them in Genesis chapter 1. And so I want to ask you just a a little question, sort of a little Bible quiz, Bible trivia this morning. If you were to name the biblical story that you think defines the character and nature of God for the Jews, what would you say? Just as you think back over those Old Testament stories. My, my, assumption is that many Christians are tempted to say that it is the creation narratives. Uh, The story about how God created each thing on each day and called it good, and that uh, then God created Adam and Eve, and that whole story about the serpent, that's what we were looking at today in confirmation. But actually, for a Jew, the defining story is a different one in the Old Testament. It's the story of deliverance that is told in the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Its most familiar form is probably in the book of Exodus, which kind of gives us that general plot line. So I'll relive this for us so that we can remember this, this story that's so formational. God made a covenant with Abraham and his descendants to be their God and for them then to be God's people. And then they ended up in Egypt because of a famine, so they were refugees. But because of God's favor upon them, then they flourished in this land, and they became so numerous that they were a threat to the leadership in Egypt. The king at that time was known as the Pharaoh, and as is normally the case when a threat comes to those who are in power, they were oppressed. God heard their cry and god remembered that covenant with abraham and chose to make his power known through what he was about to do with those hebrew slaves god chose moses as the leader the one who would demand freedom for the people from the pharaoh the chant or the refrain that, that uh, pharaoh gives to uh, that moses gives to the pharaoh perhaps you remember it let my people go that's right And he keeps saying that to Pharaoh, let my people go ten times. And each time there would be a plague. And Pharaoh would say, well, maybe, uh, uh," and kind of then back up on it. And finally, after the tenth plague, Pharaoh says, get out. Get out, you pesky Hebrew slaves. And so Pharaoh released them to wander in the wilderness of the Sinai Peninsula for 40 years. I, yay for freedom. Woohoo. <laughs> that is such an important story. And for our Jewish brothers and sisters, friends, I would tell you it is their forming story. We're talking about building blocks, right? That is the story that tells them the true character and nature of God and still for our faith as Christians, Moses remains one of the greatest leaders of our faith. In fact, we might even say Moses was a prototype of a deliverer that would come, the long-awaited deliverer who would seal the covenant between God and the people forever with his own blood. Maybe you've heard of him, Jesus. So, so Moses sort of casts that who Jesus will become in, in a way. Moses is, without a doubt, one of the most pivotal leaders in our faith story. You could even say that without Moses, we might not have a story to tell. But Moses didn't live forever, so the question legitimately arises, who replaced him? Who, after Moses, would have carried this mantle of leadership? These people were not in the promised land, right? They were wandering around in the desert of the Sinai Peninsula, Who was it that would help these people become a nation? His name was Joshua. He even has a book of the Bible named after him. Richard read for us the opening verses of this book, including this powerful assurance from God to Joshua. Let's hear it again together. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Building blocks right? Moses was a key building block in Joshua's life. And God used that relationship between the two of them to accomplish a huge purpose in the history of salvation, to make this group of wandering people who used to be slaves into a nation with a future and an identity and a land. That is no small task. And Joshua is the one who would lead them into that future and into that identity and into that land. This morning, we continue a sermon series about the people that God has used to shape us. These are the people who form those blocks or foundations of our faith life, much like the blocks go together to form a quilt. One block alone won't build a quilt. We all know that. But together, when those blocks come together and form the beautiful pattern It's almost as if it is a covering of grace in our lives. These are the people that make it possible for us to achieve what God has set out for us. What we would say is our calling, our unique way that God has gifted us to change the world. Last week, Pastor Heather shared with you some of the people who were building blocks or are building blocks in her life. And during the pastor talk time ahead of this service, I shared with you some of the people who were building blocks in my life. We've asked you during the sermon series, maybe you could build your own quilt. And Heather and I decided that we are the least crafty people we know. So if we can do it, surely you can do it. I had to have help, but Pastor Heather helped me, (laughs) And, and I made my quilt this week. It's a beautiful visual representation of how God uses people in my life to strengthen the fabric of my faith. How important those people are that God chose to place in my life in particular times, in particular ways, to make a difference we also have a deeper purpose for your quilts which I want to talk to you about today. We believe that these illustrations of building blocks from the scripture that we're looking at together will reveal to us a clearer picture of how God might want to use us as building blocks in someone else's life. I mean doesn't it stand a reason that if God brought people into your life in particular ways and in particular times that God might also want to use you in that same way? in someone else's life. So I want us then to go back to the story of the Exodus with an eye for what Moses must have seen in Joshua. What told Moses that Joshua was the one who could carry that mantle of leadership? Well, we first find Joshua appearing in Exodus 17, Moses appoints him to lead a battle against Amalek. It's an amazing story of Moses maintaining a watchful eye from behind and Aaron and Hur holding up his arms. As long as Moses' arms were held up, they were victorious. But it was Joshua who was leading the battle on the front lines. So Moses is leading from behind and Joshua is leading from the front. Working together, they lead this people who had been wandering around in the wilderness, which I have heard is not that great for forming a strong efficient effective army just you know wondering i mean this is this is hard to encounter a battle in the wilderness when you're wandering around and you don't know if you're going to have enough food or if you're going to have a place to sleep or and yet they're victorious early on in these wilderness wanderings because Moses is leading from behind and Joshua is leading from out front and then, a few chapters later, in Exodus 33:11, we learn that Joshua is the only other person trusted to accompany Moses into what's known as the tent of meeting. That's where Moses goes to meet with God face to face. Joshua is the only other person who accompanies Moses into the tent of meeting. But where I really want to focus our our attention this morning is on a story that's told in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. There were 12 spies. Moses chose one from each of the 12 tribes and said to those men, go into this land that God had promised to give them, the land of Canaan, and scout it out. See what it's like. See who's there. See what we have to look forward to. And they all do joshua is one of those 12 all 12 saw the same thing that the land god promised them wasn't empty there were people who were already living there and so making their home in this land it wouldn't be easy they all 12 saw that they all agreed that is true but 10 of the 12 when they came back exaggerated the reports of the uh, resistance they would face in occupying this land, choosing to focus on the obstacles of that land instead of the possibilities. And it was Joshua and Caleb, the other two. They reminded the people, and this is in Numbers, the land we passed through and scattered is extremely good land. If Yahweh is pleased with us, we will be led into it, and it will be given to us a land flowing with milk and honey. But do not rebel against Yahweh, and have no fear of the people of that land, for we will swallow them up. They are no longer protected, for God is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Now, to our sensibilities, friends, we might want to have an ethical conversation about what that means. God is on our side, right? There are people that already live in this land, and we're going to take it over, and we're going to swallow them up. That's for another sermon maybe even a Sunday school class or two, okay? I want to acknowledge that. I know that that's a reality. But what I want to say is that in the historical context of a tribal reality, one of the ways that your God shows you that you belong and that you are claimed and that God is going to do exactly what God said God was going to do is to provide victory for you, right? And so Joshua is choosing, by saying this, To place his faith in his God and not on what he saw when they scouted out that land. And Moses must have seen something when Joshua came back and Caleb that brought Joshua to the fore of his noticing. And I would tell you all good mentors do this. They look for potential. They look for someone who resonates with them. They look for someone who can lead them into the next reality. And what you know, friends, is no one has infinite capacity for relationships. You can't mentor everyone you meet. You have to make a choice. And So the question becomes, where are you going to focus your efforts? If you're a leader, if you're a person of influence, which I would say all of us have areas of influence in our life, where are you going to focus your efforts? Who are you going to pour into to make the most impact? When I look back on my college days, I particularly give thanks to Reverend Dr. Leslie Long. She was one of my building blocks. She's now my colleague in ministry, and she's a professor at Oklahoma City University. But this is us. uh, Many, many years ago in the early 1990s when she was the director of the Wesley Foundation in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, where I was a student. This was actually right before I graduated and, and moved to seminary. So when I went to Northeastern State University, the faith home that I claimed at that time was Campus Christian Fellowship. And I will forever be grateful for how that non-denominational ministry really poured into me and helped me know what it means to walk with Jesus daily, to live a life of faith, to become a faithful follower of the one that I call my Lord and my Savior. So I am very grateful uh, to Campus Christian Fellowship for that. However, during that season in my life, I heard my call to ministry, and it was very clear. I heard it in my home church. I was home uh, for the weekend going to church with my parents, and the call was to preach. That's how God spoke that to me, just very, very clearly, and when I went back to Northeastern State University to my faith home there, to Campus Christian Fellowship, and told them I was excited that God had given me this call to ministry. And here I was just in my early 20s thinking, man, I've got my whole life in front of me to to live this call. And they said, no, you're the wrong gender. Because our reading of Scripture, our interpretation of that, is that God couldn't have called you as a woman to be a preacher. Perhaps God's calling you to be a preacher's wife. Now, friends, you know, no. <laughs> you can talk to my husband. That is not what God called me to do, okay? So, so we, we struggled there, and at that point, that just couldn't be my faith home anymore. So I became homeless, spiritually speaking, and my search led me to the Wesley Foundation, where they happened to have a pastor and a leader who was also a woman, Leslie Long. For my last three semesters there, Dr. Long poured into my development. She chose to establish, I'll never forget this, at her initiative, a weekly prayer time with me. She wanted to meet weekly with me and and, uh, pray with me to help me discern this calling that God had placed on my life. I know she would have loved to have met with every single student at the Wesley Foundation on a weekly basis, but she didn't have time to do that. No one does. So why me? She chose to invest in me, take me with her to Oklahoma City, to the meetings of the Oklahoma Annual Conference, which I thought was huge amounts of fun. I know, weird. (laughs) You know, but she would introduce me to people. I wasn't United Methodist at that point. I didn't have any connections or relationships with other clergy in our annual conference, and she would introduce me to people and help me have those connections. She even helped me get my first church job and helped me through those initial Uh, difficulties of what it means from being a a laity or a person who attends and participates in the life of a congregation to be a staff person. It's not always an easy transition to make, and, and she helped me with that. I mean, you could ask her what she saw in me, and she would have her own list, I'm sure. But what I know is that through her, I discovered what it's like when someone sees something in you that you can't yet see for yourself. And then they nurture that, and they flourish that, and they help it come to pass. She saw that I would be a pastor one day. She saw my love of preaching and helped me perfect my craft. She even saw the weaknesses in my life that could have been an Achilles heel in my life and in my um, vocation of being a pastor, and she helped me navigate them. She still does that for me. When I reached a point of exiting the ministry in 2013, she was the one I called to help me find my way again. She's always been that faithful touch point and mentor for me. So we go back to our story of the Exodus. Numbers 27. In that chapter, God tells Moses to lay hands on Joshua and designate him to be the successor in the presence of all the people. Now, God has already told Moses in this story. We realize that God's already told Moses he is not going to be the one to lead the people into the promised land. But now it becomes clear that it will be Joshua. Friends, that didn't happen out of the clear blue. Moses had been investing in Joshua from the early days, seeing something in him that he could not yet see for himself. So by the time we reach today's text, which is Joshua 1, verses 1 through 5, Joshua is ready to receive that mantle. Perhaps you've had a mentor in your life who passed away. Do you remember the grief that that was for you? That 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 person who saw something in you that you had not yet been able to see for yourself was no longer around. That's what's just happened in Joshua chapter 1. Moses has just died. Can you imagine the grief that Joshua must have been feeling? And yet, he turns right around, showing courage and resolve, and leads the people across the Jordan River. What Moses had spent his entire life leading toward, Joshua did it. Are you on the lookout for a Joshua in your life? Who will carry that banner of faith after you are gone? Who are you pouring into right now, helping them see what they might not yet see for themselves? So this morning, I'd like for us to specifically take a look at what directed Moses to invest in Joshua. What were those characteristics that marked Joshua as a person of promise, someone that Moses would invest in? Joshua showed himself to be trustworthy. And we know that because Moses felt confident taking Joshua into the tent of meeting, the place where he would meet with God face to face. You don't take someone into the holiest spaces with you if you don't trust them implicitly. Joshua was trustworthy. Joshua was courageous. He was the one that went to the front of the line when Moses said, I'm going to lead from behind. You lead out front, Joshua. Joshua was faithful. He chose to put his trust in Yahweh God. To see possibility when everyone else saw obstacles. And Joshua was a person of integrity. He acted faithfully and consistently. No matter who he was with or what his task was. He was the same person wherever he went. So those are a few of the things that I'm sure Moses saw in Joshua. And nurtured. So I ask you again. Who might be a person in your life? that you're being called to pour into, that you're being called to invest in and build. Who, who are you being asked to be a building block for? I'm always on the lookout for Joshua's in my life. Because one day someone else is going to lead the places where I've poured my heart and soul. I'm certain of that. They're not going to lead like I lead, and that's, that's great, actually. I'm sure they'll do it much better than I do it. But they will benefit from someone who believes in them And helps them see how God's gonna move them into the purposes that God has for them. So, as I send you forth today, I want you to add one more square to your quilt, at least one. And it would be the name of a person that God is calling you to be a building block for. Who is God calling you to invest in? Who will carry forward after you are gone? Because friends, that's how the legacy of faith gets built. Amen.